Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. You know, I really like the thankfulness. I want to just hit that for a moment before we go into the message this morning. Um, I actually like a couple people to say, in the context of the body of Christ here at City Life Church, um, what are you thankful for? Anybody have anything that the children? That's good. I'm not surprised Cindy would say that. She loves children. She loves your children. Anybody else? His he his healing. He's doing better. That's well. He he will be soon. Thank. That's a great thing to be thankful for for sure. Thank you for that good report. Anybody else? I heard somebody say City Espresso. <laughs> That's good. You got to have that drink for, for the service. Oh, is that what you're raising that up? That's good. I mean, that's, that's a great thing to be thankful for. Anybody else? Yeah? Pretty much. Ta- I like that. Biblical principles being taught. That's good. Worship that touches God's heart. Yeah, in our hearts. Prayer. That's a big one. We all need that, don't we? Anybody else? Unity. Good. Those are good things to be thankful for. Amen. I'm thankful for Beverly right here in the front. You sneeze it. Thank. You're such a precious young woman, and we love having you here, Beverly. Yes. Oh. Oh. Good. Look at this. I love this. I get a hug out of it. Thank you so much. Every Sunday, she comes to give me a hug and just say, check in how I'm doing. And today, she's asking where Jane was. Well, she's working in the nursery this morning, serving the little ones. And, and <laughs> oh, you need, you need help in the nursery. But uh, um, anyway, I wanted to say though, because I was thinking about this this morning, uh, what, what I'm thankful for in this church, and I would speak on uh, behalf of my wife and I, something that God really put together uh, uh, probably about two and a half years ago or so for, for us, it's been such a blessing, we're so thankful, Jane and I have uh, personal intercessors, and I want to honor them this morning, in, because they are people in our church that have dedicated hours and hours and hours just to pray for us and pray for you too, by the way, because you, you're being prayed for all the time. But it's been such an encouragement to us and such a help to us. Uh, every pastor I talk to, I encourage them to make sure you have somebody who you're praying with regularly that's supporting you and encouraging you as a pastor. And I think it's awesome. Uh, so I want to honor these people this morning and I know many, there's many others that pray for us, but these are people who we meet with uh, two times a month, and we spend a couple hours together praying, and we always leave uplifted and encouraged. And so I do want to honor, first of all, our prayer pastors, Hal and Carol Holmberg. Will you guys stand up? You guys are amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can turn around. I, I want people to see you guys. They're great, aren't they? They're, they're just young and the... Cindy Cartwright, 
you stand up. Thank you so much, Cindy. Yeah, she is standing. <laughs> and uh, my dear parents, who have obviously prayed for me since the day I was born, and probably before that, I'm sure, and uh, uh, Earl and Leanne Bradley, if you guys would stand, you guys are also... Yes. Thank you guys so much. You, you know, you can be seated. I, it, it's just a blessing beyond explanation, it really is, to have people that you know love you and that you trust and that have your back and uh, uh, everything else and uh, who really do truly care and love us. And this church, I mean, they are so committed to this church and you guys and this church family, it's just an extension and that God has called them to an uh, area of intercessory prayer and praying, and they are prayer warriors. And uh, boy, I'm, I'm just so thankful. So I wanted to make sure that on behalf of my wife and I, thank you guys so much. And on behalf of the church, thank you, because <laughs> everyone here benefits from that. So it's, it's amazing. Uh, the time to be thankful, for sure. And uh, we look forward to the days and months and years ahead of just serving God together and hearing from him and being obedient to him, and that's important uh, for each one of us. Uh, so again, thank you guys so much. I want to, uh, last week we had an amazing time um, here just waiting on God in his presence. It was such a, there was such a atmosphere here last week, and, and I believe it's, it, it's still here, and it's here. There was something special that happened last week, and uh, I just so appreciate the faithfulness of the Lord. In fact, the night, the Saturday night before, fairly late into the evening, I actually texted a couple of our intercessors and say, would you guys pray? I really sense God wants to do something special in last Sunday, and I called my wife in from the other room, and I said, we need to pray. And, and, and we did. And, and I just believe that God, he's up to something. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. And he, he is after a heart, and he's after uh, a deepening relationship with him. And we talked last week about waiting in God's presence and such value in that. And I hope that each of you are beginning to recognize that and, and spend that time with him in his presence each day. So I encouraged you to do that last week. And Know that there's great testimonies that come from that, and uh, just waiting on the Lord. And today I want to continue uh, in moving into this reflecting the image of God, reflecting the image of God. And the scripture that I used last week, and as far as waiting on the Lord, just really was a, a focal point scripture. Psalm 37:7, the first part of that, that said, "Be still in the presence of the Lord." and wait patiently for him to act. And we talked about that last week, being still in the presence of the Lord and waiting patiently. And those two things are a challenge for us at times, aren't they? First of all, just to be still. It's hard to do in his presence. And then being able to wait patiently. Wait patiently. How many have been tested a little bit in your patience? <laughs> Waiting patiently for the Lord. Yeah, because we have challenges and we want to see answers now, but God is calling us to be patient in that process. Lord, I pray right now as we 
go into this portion about reflecting the image of God and character of who you are that reflects in our lives as we spend time with you. I pray this morning as we dig into your word and read the scriptures and see what you have to say to us that, Lord, it won't just go into our ears and, and just kind of float away, but God, it'll go from our ears to our heart, Lord, and that it would become part of us and who we are who you've created us to be, because you have indeed created us to be in your image. You, we were created in your image, and that's a pretty good image. And so we need to be thankful for that and appreciative of that as well. And so I, I, I just thank you, God, for this opportunity we have today to explore more of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was thinking about reflection. You know, it's you on a Nice sunny day, you can walk out to a lake or something, and, or you can see a picture of, I don't know if you've ever been to Mount Rainier and where the lake, at, where if you've gone to, done some hiking up there and there's the lakes up there, and then you would see Mount Rainier, not only the physical Mount Rainier, but you would see the reflection of Mount Rainier in the lake, which is an identical image, basically, of the mountain. And I was thinking about uh, the reflection of God in our life. And how we are to mirror who he is. And when, and when we look and see that, we should be seeing the aspects of God and the characteristics of God in our life. And that's a goal that we have. Obviously, sometimes when we look in the mirror, we're like, I'm not liking that. <laughs> but re- the reality is that God is uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. He's working in our lives and he's working in us and through us. And I, and I was thinking about, would I be comfortable if there was a short film made of my life and all the different aspects of my life, all the good, the bad, everything, if it was thrown up here on the screen for you guys to see, how comfortable would I be with that? And, and, but I think about that because it's something, it's a goal for us to say, yeah, you know what? I think it would be encouragement for people to see a reflection of, a, a short reflection of, of my life. I think moving forward, we should be thinking about that. And what does that look like to other people and how we can be a great testimony? Right now, we may say, ooh, I don't really like that part of who I am right now. But that's where God begins to work in us and he begins to change us and and he begins to bring the healing that we need. And as I said last week, I so believe that as we spend time in his presence each day, I believe there's healing in his presence. There is healing in his presence. And that's something we can't just conjure up and we can't just snap our fingers and make something happen because we say man god i want i want this change in my life and and he's saying just come and rest in my presence come and rest in my presence and he is a great change agent the the more we are in the presence of somebody influential the more we become like them right i know don't have to go any farther than a parent child you're raising your children and they tend to reflect your character at times, right? Because you're influential in their lives. And you see your child, and sometimes you look at them and you go, I don't like that. Then you realize, hey, that's me. (laughs) Okay, some adjustments may be needed there, right? And so uh, God is good at showing us ourselves sometimes in a reflection of our kids. Maybe it's an employer-employee type thing. You're working for somebody, and you they teach you certain work habits, and you begin to to reflect that. So there's a lot of things as, as, and so in that regard, how God is influential in our life, and as the more time we spend with God in his presence, 
we, be, we reflect more of who Jesus is. That's just how it works and how our life is. So who we cho choose to be influenced by or who we spend our time with, because our tendency when we're going through some tough challenges is to withdraw and pull back when God is saying, no, I want you to come to me even more. I want you, in your time of need, come and let my grace pour over you. Let my love pour you. Let, let the things that I have come into your life. And, and so there's, there's something that happens when we are in God's presence. I want to read a, this verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Do you know that we have to put on that new nature? We, we have to choose to put on that new nature. It, it's, it's, God's not going to do that for us. He's done something for us, but it's up to us to take that and put that on, that new nature that he's created for us. He's provided it for us, but we must put it on. And there's so many aspects of our life because our expectation is that, that God's just going to come along and he's going to fix everything and take, every, take care of everything. In reality, we have something we have to do in the process. So it says here, put on your new nature. Yeah. Well, how can we expect to be renewed if we're not getting to know him? if we're not working toward reflecting who he is. If we're not working on it, how can we expect to be renewed? Because we like the part of being renewed. God, just renew me. He said, okay, come and get to know me. Because in this verse, it, it tells us, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So when does renewal happen? As we are getting to know him, as we are spending time with him, it's a, it's a natural outflow of our submission to him, our getting to know him. We become renewed. We become refreshed. That's important for us to know. We're working toward reflecting his image. And I know it's a, it's a process for some of us. I, I came up with this the other day when I was thinking through some of this, uh, Characters, character things. And I, I came up with this of what I call one anothering. I know it's not a, an official pardon, sorry, Barb and Patty and all those. One anothering. <laughs> one anothering. And so I thought, I'm going to look at all the verses in the Bible that say one another. And I'm going to see what is attached to those. Because one another means somebody besides you, one another, an additional, others, those around us, one anothering. So you'll remember this. So I looked up these scriptures, and I've listed, and I'm, I'm going to give you 12 uh, characters, characteristics that are associated in the context of these verses of one another. And it was very interesting, because these are all things that we need to be able to work towards to reflect in our life when we are one anothering. <laughs> 
First of all, compassion. We need to have compassion for one another. Second one is love. Love one another. Being kind. Kind to one another. Humility. In humility with one another. Encouragement. To encourage one another. Motivate. We're called to motivate one another. Faithful. We're called to be faithful to one another. Gentle. Gentleness. We're called to be gentle with one another. Patience. We're called to be patient with one another. Right? And I might have to say that one twice. We're called to be patient with one another. Forgiveness. A big one. We're called to forgive one another. Very, very important. Serving. Called to serve one another. And then the last one I've listed here is peacemaker. We're called to be peacemakers with one another. Those are 12 that I just dug up pretty quickly. And you could do a, re- a search on that and study on one anothering if you want. But there's something, there's a character thing that comes out very clearly. And these, every one of these are a reflection of the character of Jesus. He is all of these things and, and many more. But it's interesting when those words are together, one another, that those are the things that are focused on. So when we are in God's presence, we are becoming more and more like him. And we become a reflection of his character. Because when you think about it, and you think of these words that I just mentioned, how, when you look internally in yourself, am I reflecting those characteristics of Jesus in my life, in my walk? Are those things being seen? And it's not like we're trying to hey, this is who I am, but it's, it's, a, it's a natural byproduct of spending time in his presence. And Because, again, the simplest thing we boil it down to is we love God and we love people, right? That's to simplify what, what we're here on earth to do. But if we do that really good, really well, I should say, we do that really well, all this other stuff is just, it just falls into place because That is the most important thing, and that's the thing Jesus talks about. I wanted to talk about one of these, take one of these items, one of these words. It's a characteristic of Jesus. The very first one was compassion. And I thought about this one a little bit. So if we look at Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35, I'm going to read two or three verses here that talk about compassion with Jesus. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. By the way, the only news that Jesus talks about is good news. (laughs) He doesn't give us bad news. He gives us good news. The gospel is the good news. Do you realize that you are carriers of the good news? Who in the community would not want to hear good news? We hear plenty of bad news, don't we? But you have nothing but good news to share with those people around you. That's what Jesus focused on, the good news. Hey, I've got good news for you. If you turned around to somebody in the grocery store behind you and say, hey, I've got good news for you, they're not going to say, I don't want to hear it. 
Well, you, as the Holy Spirit leads you, you would say something to them that would be encouraging, right? Yeah. And, and that's good news. You, you, you wouldn't say something that would discourage them. It, it would be something that could be very encouraging. So he went about announcing good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's the way people are around us. They're confused, they're helpless, they're hopeless. But if we can see through the eyes of Jesus and have the compassion for people around us, knowing there's so many people out there that are in the same state that they were when Jesus was walking the earth, the same, they're around us just the same. But if we can see through the eyes of Jesus having compassion, and we have that because why? Because we've been spending time in his presence and we're beginning to become more and more like him. And if he's come it, then it's going to be a natural outflow for us to be compassionate. Even though naturally, in the natural way, I could look at myself and say, you know, I don't, the first word doesn't, that reflects who I am as a flesh and blood person without Jesus Christ in my life, I'd say I'm not really all that compassionate, except for when Jesus came in and said, hey, this is who I am, and this is who I want you to be. So then that means, okay, I need to take on that characteristic of Christ. So there's a compassion, okay? So it goes on to say, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his field. Well, this is something, it's like Jesus is saying something that he, he already knows the answer and he's just kind of saying something because the reality is, okay, when we pray God send workers oh, that's me. <laughs> you know, it's already, uh, we've already answered the question when we're praying. Lord, there's people out there that you need to send. You need to, Lord, you pray. I'm supposed to pray that you would send those people. And he's saying, thank you for praying and asking me. Because guess who I had in mind? You. I had you in mind. You're that one. You're, 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 part, of the, you're part of the plan. You're part of the calling. And when, he, when we ask him, he's saying, he rings the bell. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, you are a winner. You're part of my kingdom. But guess what? You're a reflection of me. Go out there and have compassion. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. It says, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It'd be easy for Jesus to step out of the boat. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I got to go up here. I got, I got dinner waiting you know, crowd, through the crowd. But he immediately steps off and there's something that happens in him. And that very same thing should be something that happens in us. Yeah. When we come around people and instead of saying, excuse me, excuse me, I got, I got to get this. Can I get by you? I got to reach this thing up on the shelf. Yeah. When the reality is, I've been thinking about this too because how many people are standing right next to me somewhere that are so in pain and so hurting and so distraught and, and so... Something horrible just happened in their life, and I'm more about me grabbing something behind them than even caring to say, hi, how are you doing? Because there are so many people hurting, and so Jesus steps out of the boat. Immediately, he's filled with compassion. He's moved with compassion. So Mark chapter 1, verse 40, 42, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, 
Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. It was Jesus' character of compassion that opened the door for miracles. And I thought about that. I thought, wow, there was something that happened in him that already was there that opened the door. We don't need to open the door for something that God has put in us, the character of his, uh, his character that he's put in us, it naturally happens. Because when we step into a situation, just taking this one word of the 12 that I read, and if we have that compassion, it changes so many things, and the environment changes where we're at. And people can, you know, sometimes when you ask somebody how they're doing and they really tell you, you're like, shoot, I wish I didn't ask them. That... I've felt that before because like, I've kind of been in a hurry and I ask somebody, how are you doing? They go, well, since you asked. Then they go into this long thing. Well, I need to be listening to that because God's given an opportunity because there's something going on in their life that they need to hear something encouraging. So it was his character of compassion that opened the door for the miracles that, were, that he was doing. God is calling us to become true disciples. He really is. True disciples... And I thought of, what are some characteristics that true disciples have? I just listed three things simply, because it should be simple for us. These things that true disciples will have in common. Number one, they abide in the word of God. Very simple. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And what are his teachings from? From the word. He teaches from the word. He used mostly the Old Testament because that's what was there, obviously, in some of his experiences that he taught with. He taught those are things of the word of God. And it says, and you will know the truth. That word was mentioned by Carl, the truth. And the truth will set you free. So let me ask you, what is truth? His word. If we don't have that solid in our life, when we go out and try to respond to people who are throwing out things that they think are truth, where's our compass? We, so we have to be abiding in his word. We have to know what his word says. And it's okay to look up stuff. <laughs> you know, hey, let me look that up. Don't act like you know everything when somebody's talking to you about things. Sometimes you have to look it up. It's okay. But you can come back with an answer. The truth. If you know the truth, and that's why it says if you know the truth, it'll set you free. It sets people free from the bondage of all of the other influences that are going on in their life. Right now, if you took a poll in America, you would get literally thousands of truths. And there are 999 of them aren't true. (laughs) And so, okay, So what is so important to be a true disciple? Abiding in the word of God. Okay, number two. True disciples, they love one another. They love one another. They love one another. John 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. 
your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Are we loving each other in such a way that people outside can say, wow, those Christians sure love each other. They sure care about each other. Yeah. That's what we want people to see when we're exiting this building and going to the, to the world that we all live in. Yeah. Wow, you... There's something different about you. That's good. <laughs> That's a good comment, usually. Something different. I just can't put my finger on it. Well, let me help you with that. It's the love that God has given me for people. The third thing is they bear fruit. They bear much fruit, by the way. <laughs> As the Bible says, John 15, verse 8, and then verse 16, we'll read. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And then verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. There's a connection there. <laughs> Did you realize it's okay to use his name? You know people in your life, and you can name drop sometimes. But you can name drop God. You can name drop Jesus. Hey, it, I, I did this when I was in junior high school, and I did it actually for fun, but it was kind of cool. But I remember I had a little cutout picture of Jesus, like, uh, and I stuck it in my wallet. And I said, hey, um, let me show you a picture of my dad. And then I put the picture of Jesus, and then the kids would laugh because they recognized Jesus, but, but I was name dropping all right, a little bit there. <clears throat> but it's okay for us to do that because he's our father, right? He's our heavenly father. It's just fun stuff, you know. I'm just, that my mind works in different ways. But it's just, um, <laughs> got a giggler. Giggler alert. <laughs> I remember my mom would do that when we were kids. Just a little rabbit trail. I didn't do that much. But you know my mom, she's a very serious uh, person, just the greatest woman ever to walk the face of the earth. But uh, she, uh, we would, as kids, sometimes we would start talking at the table. When there's five kids at the table goofing around, and the dinner table really wasn't the place to do that, but every once in a while, we would say something funny, and my mom would lose it. And she would just go into this giggle, 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 and couldn't stop giggling. And that was the greatest thing ever as a kid, to know we busted our mom. We broke through. We got to her giggler. <laughs> Those are good times. <laughs> so back on track. Where was I? <clears throat> so we're true disciples of bearing fruit. We're bearing fruit. So we need to be fruit-bearing. And we talked the last week about being pruned, and, that, and that's not, uh, doesn't always feel good, but that's to set us up for bearing much fruit. So the development plan of a person, really, because if you think about where a person starts in life and where they end up, and I want to talk about this for just a couple of moments before we conclude, but development phase of a person really is, starts in the area of seeking. First, you are a seeker, and at some point, you become a believer. You believe what you're seeking. There's something you found, and, 
and, and you believe. And then you become a follower of whatever it is that you believe. And at some point, you become from a follower to a leader. There, there's that point where you're going through this process from a seeker to a leader. And I thought about that. What is that like in the body of Christ? Well, the reality is every person who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and committed to be a disciple is a leader. You can't change that. You can't undo that if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and accepted who he is and what he's called you to do, called us to do, then we are leaders. Acts 1.8, the first part of this verse says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, those of us who are believers, he has come upon us, right? Okay, so we've received that power. And it says, and you will be my witnesses, telling a people about me everywhere. Now, he's talking this to his disciples, but he's talking to us because we are in that same place. We are his disciples. We've, we are followers of Christ. But once we have accepted Christ and once we have that Holy Spirit residing in us, we become leaders. Yes. And I say that because it changes who we, have, who we need to be. Yes. We no longer have control of ourselves and who we are and how we want to live our life. We've relinquished that to him. So that means we are become new creature, creation, right? In Christ Jesus. There's something that changes in our life. And so here's an interesting question for you. So Jesus is talking about witnesses. So is a witness a leader? Is a witness a leader? I would say yes. Once the disciples witnessed what Jesus was doing and how he did it, they became familiar with and had the knowledge of what it was going to take moving forward. It's like if somebody broke their leg and you witnessed them breaking their leg. Nobody else saw it, but you witnessed that. And if somebody came to you and said, hey, tell me, does anybody know what happened to this person? How'd they break their leg? We can say, I witnessed it. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're not just a, somebody standing around that doesn't really know anything. You now are the leader of information for that incident. So when somebody says what happened, you can say, I can tell you what happened. The same that the disciples can say, I can tell you about Jesus. They became leaders then. So when you witness something, which we've all done, we've witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We become a leader now. Because I know I've talked to people, I'm not a leader. Well, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are a leader. You are a leader. You don't get to choose to to back out of that. You become the leader for the seeker looking for information. People are seeking, right? Somehow you say something to them that would cause them to believe. To think, man, that's some good stuff. Then that moves them into that place of, oh, me, I'll follow that. I'll, let me follow that and see where that goes. And all of a sudden, boom, they're in. Now they're a leader, right? Just the same way. So when you're talking about the power of Christ, that's when a seeker who knows nothing about it at that point becomes knowledgeable about that and where that place where they could become a believer. And, and that's simple how that works. 
Jesus, when he selected disciples, when he went out and said to them, and we know what he did say, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, hey, guys, I'm calling you, but I'm going to follow you. No, they, that wouldn't work, right? right? He said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The New King James says, I will make you fishers of men, which isn't forcing a make, because we, we think about that. It really is a shaping and a molding. I will make you into something as you reflect who I am, a reflection of me, because you've learned, you've witnessed my life, and you've witnessed that place. I like the New Living Translation. Basically, it says, I will show you how to fish for people. Come follow me. So they became followers. But now Jesus is telling them, you're no longer followers. You are now leaders. And that's what he's announcing to us today. If you didn't know that already, you are a leader. And as my friend Tony has told me in the past, when we have a conversation with Tony, he'll say, because everybody says, oh, Tony, it's easy for him to talk to people. He loves people. He's just a natural at that. Well, if you ask him why, he will say, because once I accepted Christ, that's who I needed to become to to do what he said. I'm not that way. That's not my personality. Right, Tony? But once you said yes to Christ, because he did something for you, And he wants to be a testimony of that. So therefore now he can confidently, but yet probably with still with some fear and intimidation and trepidation in the sense of, but who has Christ called me to be? It helps me be around people like Tony, even though he probably would say, well, it would help me to be around somebody else. But we all are a part of the family of Christ together and we do that. We need to become a reflection of Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team if you come. We're going to continue next week with this, but I I just really believe that as we're moving forward in this and as we're deepening our walk with the Lord, it's so important for us to know we are created in his image. Therefore, we need to be a reflection of who he is. Are we perfect? No, by no stretch are we perfect. Are we going through challenges? Yes, we are. We're all faced with different challenges, whatever that may be, but whatever your challenge. But I'm encouraging you, whatever your challenge is, get in his presence. Get in his presence. Because there's things that happen that, that change begins to happen. God begins to do things that, that we just can't do on our own. There, there's things that can happen in a moment being in his presence that we could not see happen in weeks or months in our life. I believe that as we... Sing this song that we learned last week. I love this song, Take Courage. But it's in the waiting. We're waiting on the Lord. And I would encourage you to continue waiting on the Lord for whatever your situation. Don't give up. Don't give up. Continue waiting. But we've done all the ask, seek, and knock. Not that we stop doing that because we don't. But I believe God has called us to that place so that I hear you. You've been asking, you've been seeking, you've been knocking. Now I'm asking you, just wait in my presence. Wait patiently in my presence. Because I want to talk to you. I want, I want to give you some direction. And that's where we are today. And as we sing this song, just really focus on who he is for you. And that you're saying, Lord, I'm just, I'm waiting in your presence. I trust you, God. You're 
word is the foundation in my life. Your word is that foundation. And he loves me. He loves us. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing this song. And the altars are all, they're open too. If you want to come and just before the Lord worship, you can do that too. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 